Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Terry, and you're with Legacy Investment Informs. And today is such a beautiful day, and I'm so happy that we have another opportunity to talk with one another. And before we get started, I'd like to open up with a brief prayer just to make sure that um, it gets me all centered. And I'm sure nobody out there will mind that and we all can be on one accord. So let's get started. I thank you, Father, for us having another opportunity to come together and fellowship and talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. And today, we um, trust that you will be first, go first, and you will be the one orchestrating this entire this entire um, show today. And um, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. So everybody, thank you for the opportunity once again and listening to me. This is our second show. And the first show, oh my God, it was just so awesome. I just couldn't believe how well the interviews went. Last time we were on, Dr. Aaron Dogren from CTE was on with us. And then we had Sylvia Richardson, who is the author and playwright and an inventor. And she was on talking about her book, Genesis Brief, The Sin Factor. And I hope all of you enjoyed that, both enjoyed both of the um the interviews and I hope you got an opportunity to go out and purchase your book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and I believe that um, it's at every major bookstore um, out there so wherever you can get your copy please pick it up because Miss Sylvia is coming back next time we are on air to do a more in-depth conversation with me about the Genesis Brief because we didn't have enough time to really finish and I want to give her an opportunity to really share about what um, Genesis Brief is from from when she wrote it and just a couple of more um, questions I had for her and we didn't really get an opportunity to finish. So I hope everyone gets their copy and join us because we will be having a book club about that as well. And we're going to go through it and we're going to share each chapter. And we would like to also invite everyone to do live discussion with us about the book. So that's why I'm asking you now to go ahead and get your copy. And um, so you'll be ready to be with us and be on one accord with us to have in-depth conversation with, with author Sylvia Richardson. Okay, guys, listen, today I have a wonderful treat for all of you. My mother is going to be the guest of the, honor guest of the hour. <laughs> and believe me, it didn't happen with uh, her saying, oh, yeah, I want to be on the show, no problem. No, believe me, she gave me some some resistance, but... <laughs> But I'm so honored that she's here and that she is um, going to be a guest with me and um, talk to me. And as you know, this is about legacy. And what better way to talk about legacy than to have your parent on and talk about what legacy means to them. And so with that said, I would like to talk about how my upbringing was with my with my parents and why she is such an honored guest. I remember at times when I was growing up, my mother was very was very um, 
such a, a wonderful woman. She was always a picture of health. She believed in she believed in living good, living right, and living for God. And those are those are those are some major major attributes that I even have today for myself. And I can tell you that my mother is still today very active, very vibrant, um, very very full of life and I'm very happy to say that she is healthy and she is a woman of a businesswoman and she's still she's still moving forward in life as if her life is um, as if she was in her youth and to me she's very youthful because she's also my exercise partner we run together we do um, marathons together we lift weights together I used to bodybuild and she does that my daughter was is a renowned um, athlete herself and so my daughter used to train my mother and in um, pumping iron and all that stuff so you know we're very active all I've known all my life is my mother to be a very active person and my dad too so we don't know I don't know anything other than that and I also have a great understanding of business because of my mom my mother is what we what the word of God says the Proverbs 31 woman and if you guys really read your Bible and you read Proverbs 31 you'll see that a Proverbs 31 woman is one that has the characteristics of being an entrepreneur she's a she cares she's a great nurturer she has great ideas she's anointed for for working for building family building legacy and all of those things and my mother is the epitome of that and I'm honored to be able to say that about my mom and I'm also honored that I can say that when I grow up <laughs> so to speak I will hopefully be the same woman that my mother is because she's she's the bomb and she's actually someone that I admire so much and I'm happy to be able to give my give honor to her while she's alive and have an opportunity to tell everyone to share what she um, what her life has been and how important it means to legacy to my legacy my legacy is um, my mother is we have a lot of um, we have a lot of celebrities in our family and I don't want to brag or anything, but you know, I'm honored that, that I come from a lineage of that and I will let her share that if she feels like it, but you know, she might not want to cause she's very quiet and, and, and uh, reserved, so to speak. So I'm the one that I'm a, I'm the boaster of the family. I don't have a problem with sharing, but um, if she doesn't give me liberty to do so, I won't do that. But um, anyway, <laughs> I would like to, to say that in regards to legacy, we, we, we found out last time we were together that legacy means, according to the word of God, your first principle is that everyone is supposed to leave a legacy for their family by uh, making sure that every, the, your, your, your children's children are taken care of. And um, no, it's not mandatory that you do that. However, the word does say that 
if you don't do that in the New Testament, that you are less than an unbeliever because you are you are expected in God's eyesight to to take care of your family so the family can thrive. That why is that so important? That's important because we want to know. Um, God wants to know that you are you are definitely care about family like he does that's the whole purpose of us all being here he loves us so much that he 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 created us to why to worship him to fellowship with him to build relationship and to to replenish the earth that he created this is a wonderful place to be but we also know that we also have something great in heaven waiting for us but while we're here we are expected to to take care of his creation that he created for us and he also has given us dominion so this is part of legacy and how you do that one way of doing that is building relationship building family relationship uniting with one another on one accord on godly principles like we do in my family with my mom my dad has since passed away and um God rest his soul, but my dad was such a great man. Oh my God, he was he was another another vital um source of why legacy is important. He believed in family. He believed in working together as a family. He taught us that family is not just an individual perspective, meaning that we're all individually we have our identities that are individual minded but we are also one cohesive unit supposed to be working together to make sure that each one of us helps one another helps the other and there's no separatism in family and that is why I'm very very um, rooted and grounded in family we don't have a big family mine is not that big but I believe in working together I believe in I believe in unity and I believe that we are we are a strong unit when we work together. I don't believe in separatism, regardless of how we may feel about one another's personality. Nonetheless, you're my blood, and so I believe in helping you as much as I can. And that's what my family, that's what my parents, that's what I, I take away from my my parents. And I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful that as part of legacy building, I had an opportunity to have strong relationships, not just with my with my siblings, but also with my with my parents. and And I always want them around me. I always wanted them around me. I, I just really didn't wasn't one of those children that said, "When I get older, I'm not going to be around my mother. I'm not going to be around my dad." No, uh, uh-uh, uh, no. I believe that I am the woman I am today because of what what they instilled in us but also because she's still a very very strong focal point of my life and that's and so I, I I don't I can't see my life without my mom and um that's I'm happy to say that a lot of older um adult children they don't really feel that way about their parents they don't even want to be around them I can't see myself not being around my mother I can't see myself not um, I go to her for everything. I ask her for her advice, even to this day. I still sit, at, um, call her up. I talk to her every day. I'm around her every day. And I ask, hey, mommy, uh, tell me what's going on with this. What What am I supposed to do? This, this, and this is going on with me. And she's my go-to person. 
really if, and she's my she's my dearest friend i i'm happy to say that that's part i think that's a wonderful legacy and so um i would hope that after today listening to this this um show that if you have any type of um alts with your parents or whomever that 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 um that authoritative figure was for you and if you're kind of down in the outs with that person that you this will move you to understand that time is very short and it's I don't mean it in a cliche sense but the reality is is that it is very short and we are um, expected to to be able to forgive whatever it is and sometimes you know something may seem like it's so so deep and it's so important that it really hurts you that bad and this and that and the other but I'm gonna tell you my friends nothing is more important than being able to build a relationship with with that um, loved one or those those loved ones that are still here and dear to your heart and though that really instilled great principles in your life so my hope is that you will be able to be a bigger person and ask God to forgive you for what you do feel for that person if it's negative and ask him to help you mend that relationship. Legacy is about that as well, forging relationships and asking for forgiveness from one another if we have had any alts with one another. And I want to make sure that that's part of, you understand that that's part of investing in relationship as well. Investment, getting a profit. The profit from that is that you're, you build a strong family tree. You build a strong sense of connection. You also get to see God through that. You get to have, build that relationship with God through that because his whole point of creating us was about family he believes in family so you might say oh my gosh she's on her soapbox this and that and the other no I'm not on my soapbox but I will tell you this I'm I stand I sit here today before all of everyone that's listening with a great sense of satisfaction and fulfillment from the fact that I have my mother's still here with me and I can go to her anytime, regardless of what I've done. She's the closest thing to God um, as an example that I have here left on earth. And she accepts me for who I am. And regardless whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, but she does accept me. And I know that I have a friend in her and I know that I can go to her for anything and she will give me the God's honest truth about myself and um, she only wants the best for me what a wonderful relationship what a wonderful legacy and so because of that I will hope that I have been that way with my own my own child and um, with that said I want to I want to go to a short break and when we come back I want to introduce you to my mommy and I think you will find the the interview quite interesting and I hope that you will get gain something out of it. So without further ado, we're going to go to a short commercial and when we when we return I will introduce my my guest. Thank you.
Hi, Dr. Terry here. The workplace has become ever increasingly difficult. High rates of unemployment, poor interaction between employee and employer, workplace violence, and the list goes on. Today, many are seeking practical solutions to address workplace issues. Healing in the Workplace, a spiritual guide to coping with work issues, provides a long-awaited answer and principle to solving work conflict and problems, helping us to see why God wants us to work and how we are supposed to treat one another at work. Join me in a global move to eradicate workplace issues in discovering employee rights and discover how others have been victorious through workplace challenges. Order your book today at www.westbowpress.com. Once again, order your book today at www.westbowpress.com. Hope to see you there. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us again with Dr. Terry. You're live with Dr. Terry. And um, before we went on a break, I told you that I had someone very special, uh, near and dear to my heart, which is my mommy. And I call her mommy. Yes, I call her mommy. So... I'm proud to say I call her mommy. And so I'm going to tell you who she is. My mother's name is Flossie. And um, today I asked my mom, would she be a guest on my show? Because once again, this is about legacy investment. And legacy is, my mommy is part of my legacy. And she helped me create this type of um, format that we have today and I'm proud to have her on. So mommy, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, how are you? Hi, Dr. Terry. <laughs> does that feel weird you calling me that? Yes, it does. I know. <laughs> I feel weird me, you calling me that. <laughs> I know because to me you are Terry. Yeah. Well you know what mommy, call me that. Call me that. Call me Terry. No, I okay. respect. I respect what you want. So you're not no, Terry no. today. I want you to call me Terry. That's cool because it's it's all good. It's it's okay. okay. All right. Is that all right? That's fine. Okay. So I want to ask you some questions about our our legacy and your upbringing, and um, you tell us how you were, you know, just a little bit about what legacy is to you and all of that stuff. And I wanted to share with the, with the audience about your, um, your lineage, what I know about you from my years of, of um, you bringing me up. And um, over the years, you've worked as a state worker for California, and you retired 32, you worked 32 years for the state of California, and you went to work practically every day. You were hardly ever off of work. <laughs> That's what I remember about you, and and um, I remember you have great work ethics, and um, I also know that we have had a great time with you all the time and you were a great disciplinarian and and all that good stuff you have your degree at in um, business management and so um, anything else you want to say about your background no I think that's uh, that's good 
<laughs> well, I didn't tell I didn't tell them that you are a mother of three. I'm not the only one. Well, sure. I have three kids. I have two daughters and one son. Yeah. And um they all are adults now and I thank the Lord that they all are, you know, they have good jobs and they uh haven't been in any trouble at all. Mm-hmm. I really thank the Lord for that. And um I'm just proud of all of you guys. Yeah, thank you. Do you have and any you grandchildren? And you got your doctor in, and I have a granddaughter that's a doctor, and she has a little baby that's three years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys just make my day. Oh, wow. Thank you for saying that, Mommy. I, that makes me happy. Thank you. Um now I want to go into asking some questions about about your upbringing and and can you tell me, mommy, what you told um, me and um, Mimi, who happens to be my sister? What did you tell us about what legacy means to you? Legacy. I'm gonna start off with this legacy. I really didn't think about it too much until maybe seven months ago. The pastor was talking, and he was uh, preaching. He was uh, teaching us on legacy. Mm-hmm. And when it opened my eyes, it enlightened me a lot because I grew up with legacy. My mother and father, they always have been the type of people that they um, you could come to their house. Anybody could eat. They had enough food. We raised our own uh Food. Uh, we didn't have to buy anything um, like insurance. They had insurance um, on every one of us, even when we got to be an adult. Mm. They still had insurance on us because they didn't depend on us to do that. They made sure if you had insurance, it's okay. But they made sure that they had insurance in case something went wrong, that they would be able to put us away with that being a burden on them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then, uh, um, you know, and I decided, you know, and they had insurance, insurance on everybody. So I picked up the same habit. And at the time, I really didn't know why I was doing it no more than I was trying to um, make sure that if anything happened to my children, that I would be able to, you know, uh, put them away in a decent uh in a decent way. Mm-hmm. But I find out that uh, you do these things, it goes from generation to generation. So when you do these things, it's like a legacy. You you do exactly some of the things that your parents used to do. And that mm-hmm. was one of them that they used to do. And my father used to have insurance on, you wouldn't believe it, but on his siblings, because Truthfully, he had to bury most of them because mm. they all, you know, they depended on him. And he made sure that he had something that he could put them away and wouldn't have to interfere with his uh, his family. So granddaddy was was the just like our family. Um, um, most I, most of us, we always have someone that one particular person that everybody goes to and Mm -hmm. they're the ones that have to 
either come up with the money to bury the person or 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 they may have the policy on that person that's who granddaddy right. was mm-hmm. right right mm-hmm. so that's what he did and uh he all he's as far as i can remember from the time i was small up until i got to be an adult that's what he did and he uh made sure that he uh he was the backbone of everybody mm-hmm. and that's the way it was so um, what type of, um, when you said that everybody, you grew up with not wanting for anything, were, so were grand, grandmama and granddaddy, they were sharecroppers, right? Yes, they were. Mm-hmm. They, were share, they were sharecroppers. They uh, lived on a farm, and it wasn't theirs, so uh, they, uh, they, they grew different uh, oh uh different stuff on the farm they had like peanuts cotton uh corn uh they cultivated all of this for the uh, uh the owner mm-hmm. and at the end of the year they would uh, harvest all of this all of these uh crops and then uh at the end of the year uh what made me decide to, they always uh, wanted us to get an education. We could not stay with them unless we did get an education. Mm. But I find out later, you know, um, for us to be um, independent and not do what they was doing is to get an education, and I can see why. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the year, after they done gathered all of this, harvest all of these uh, crops, they ended up still in the hole with no money, mm. you know. And so that's what, uh, but anyway, they we had plenty. We never did want for anything. We had uh, a table full of food every day. If anyone wanted to come to our house and they wanted something to eat, they was more than welcome. And when they got through eating, we still had plenty of food left. Well, my father and mother never did turn anyone away mm-hmm. because, and that's the way I am. So, you know, yeah, it's, you a, <laughs> it's a legacy that, that, you know, it goes from generation to generation to generation. And so I'm proud uh, to say that, you know, I was proud of my mother and father. And I am glad that I was able to move beyond that, that yes. they did. You know, so I'm thankful for that. Well, um, Mommy, can you can you tell um, how the Drinker Singers Drinkers Jubilee came about, and how and what side is that on? The Drinker Jubilees is on my mother's side. They was they are drinkers. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the last name. And so my grandfather, uh, my mother's father, he was the uh, uh, ministry, well, preacher, they call them. And uh, they would sit, they would sit at the table, uh, they would pray, and then after they got through praying and eating, then they would sit around the table and they would, uh, like, um, they would sing, you know, and that's where the Jubilee Singers came from. Mm-hmm. They uh, they started out when they was young, they started out when they were small. And that's what my uh, my grandfather did. 
Mm. So grandmama was, um, she she used to play uh, the piano for them? She, my, grandma, my mother, she uh, played the, the organ. She okay. didn't play piano. She played the organ. And the organ was in the family from the time that I can remember until I left home, until after she passed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh and that's what they did. So that's how the Jubilee Singers came about. And so, how did um, how did the the um, famous the famous um, ones come about? They came out of that group there. They came from uh, uh, a couple of them came out of that group, but then they had uh, you know they had the background as to from the from the older people, they are everybody. Everybody grew up in church, mm-hmm. and so they started off singing in the choir, and then from the choir, then they, you know, branched out doing, uh, you know, solo work or either background work with with uh, other entertainers, mm-hmm. and that's how they got started. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so as a career, a sharecropper's daughter, mm-hmm. are you? Are you, um, how did they become to own their own land, though? Well, while they were sharecropping, they, uh, it was a a Caucasian man that had plenty of land. And I guess he just had a heart that he was going to try to help people. Mm -hmm. And so he started uh, selling, like, lots. Uh, My father, he would pay, like, (laughs) Uh, like uh, five dollars or two or three dollars a week or a month or whatever, until he paid the amount of money that the that the man wanted for the lot, mm-hmm. and so the lot stayed uh, vacant for years until um, my father decided he was getting older. My mother was getting older, and so he decided that uh, they would try to do something with the lot. So a person from Florida, he was going around helping people build houses, you know, putting the houses up. Um, but what happened was, instead of, um, it, it was a shell, you say. They put the house up. The outside was looked nice, but on the inside, you just had the, uh, what, the frame. Mm-hmm. So Dad uh, had the house put up, and uh, my oldest brother, he came up uh, on the weekend and he would put the sheetrock in the house. He he did the inside of the house for dad and, for my mom and dad. And that's how they got the house. And he paid the people so much a month for, you know, on the house. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And did, okay. did, at that time, were houses, did they have um, um, bathroom facilities inside? No, the bat. Well, the, they put the uh, the bathroom was included in there, but it wasn't put in. So my brother put that in for them also. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it really it was just a shell. Okay. But it was something that they called their own. And mm-hmm. then after my brother did the inside, got all the sheetrock and stuff in, he and my baby brother, then uh, you know they had a complete house. Mm-hmm. And wow. Good. So, Mommy, would you say that you had fond memories of 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 um, your 
your upbringing, although although you were um, in society's eyesight, it may be considered a negative of being a sharecropper, but, you know, as a result of um, um, ending slavery, it still was considered considered a negative stigmatization, but nonetheless, you guys, you and your family, you thrived as a, as um, a result of it. Is that, is that right? Would you say that? I would say that, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't regret, I don't, you know, I don't regret it because it made me a better person. It made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. And they believed in us getting an education. We didn't stay home to work in the field. We went to school. And then if we worked in the field, it was after we got out of school in the evening. Mm-hmm. We went to school every day because they believed in education. Wow. And mm-hmm. so the one school, it was just one school that went like from from K through 12? Well, when I started, it was when my sister and brother and I went to school. It was one school. But I went to a little uh Cerberus school, a little country school, and it went from the first grade through, I think, maybe sixth or seventh grade, and then after that, then I went to the big school where everybody went, where I graduated from, and um, that 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 was it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But see, at the time when they was going to school, they had to they had to walk to school, or either they had to ride a bike. When I started the school, I rode a school bus. Mm. And that's that that um during the time you had you were able to ride the school bus, you were the last one at home because um you're the baby, right? Right. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And they were so 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 um anxious and Uncle George and um they were all. And Uncle James, they were already gone out of the house, right? Yeah, well, uh, when I finished high school, yes. But Mm -hmm. before I finished high school, uh, my sister and and, uh, Uncle George, they was at home. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Uncle George left home. uh, Uncle George left home, I think, in 1950 and went to the service. Mm -hmm. And then... After that, when he came out, he didn't come back to Georgia. He stayed in Alabama. He went where my oldest brother were. Mm-hmm. And then after that, then my sister, she was at home. And then she got, uh, well, she eloped and got married. <laughs> before she finished school, she supposed to finish school. Uh, I think about nine months before she finished high school, she oh. eloped and got married. And so oh, wow. <laughs> then she left and went to um, <laughs> then she left and went to uh, Alabama also. So all three of them was in Alabama together, and so oh, I was left okay. at home. And you, mm-hmm. so you were you were in high school. You were you were um, in high school when all of them were in Alabama. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. I like I like when we hearing this is this is this is interesting to me i i i really am happy that we're talking about this so um i'm just gonna ask mommy and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to but i'm gonna ask because i want to get it on on um on audio if that's okay so how did what is what is what is the what is the um 
the linkage between between you and and your your um, singing cousins. My singing cousin, uh, well, if you want to go to Dion, okay, Dion's mother and uh, Dion's mother. And that's who? Dion who? Is Dion's mother's father. Dion who, mommy? Dion's mother's no, father. No, Dion what? Dion's grandfather, which is my, which is uh, um, Lee's father. Okay. Dion's grandfather and my mother were sister and brothers. Okay, so we're talking about who? Dion who? Dion Warwick. Okay. And my uh, Dion's Warwick grandfather and my mother was brother and sisters. Okay. Okay. And now uh, Whitney is... Uh, Whitney who? Whitney Houston. Okay. Is... Uh, Mama's uh, uh, niece. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. And so, what made them um, go to the north, and you guys stay in the south? What happened? Because my mother was married, and they all wanted to leave and go and better their condition. They went uh, back east, and one reason they went up there is because. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but what I heard is that um, grandfather had some land. And what happened was grandmother was supposed to pay, <laughs> supposed to pay the taxes. <laughs> and so she, so she forgot, I think. She, oh. forgot. she forgot. And then the thing went into a, like foreclosure. And mm-hmm. so they tried to get it back, and they couldn't. And so they was very upset, and so they all left and went back east. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So that's what happened. And so, mm. and, and so Grandmama was the only one that stayed behind? Yes, she was the only one that stayed there because she had a family. Mm-hmm. 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 Boy, yeah, that's that interesting. I like that. That's some good yeah, stuff so that's there. what that was. Huh? So if you if you're married, you can't uproot your family if your husband is not willing to go. Yeah, that's right. So he stayed. So they all stayed in Georgia. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And she was the only one left by herself. Was she? She didn't have any siblings. Um, N- no, that she had. Uh, she had some cousins there, there, but that was it. Not siblings. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, Mommy, do you have any type of, um, of course, you've come a long way from where Grandmama them have um, been, but all of you guys made a very good living for yourselves. And, and even for us, you, you've, we've done, I have to say we've done very well. And I'm, that's nobody but the Lord. But would you say that, that, um, God played a very important role in our in in moving away from that particular lifestyle to where you are today. Of course, you know if it had, if it wasn't hadn't been for the Lord being in our life, we wouldn't have been made, we wouldn't have made it this far. Mm-hmm. 
and you have to realize where you came from. You, you know, you can better yourself. You can better your condition if you want to. You don't have to stay in the same rut. You don't have to stay. Uh, I I refuse to be a sharecropper. Okay? Yes. I didn't want to be that. And my family, my mother and father didn't want me to be that anyway. Mm-hmm. Because they that's why they sent us to school. They used to tell us all the time, you have to go to school and learn because I don't want you to end up like we are. Because I think they only went to, I think, the fifth or the sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And that's far as they got. But I'm not complaining about them. I'm proud of them because they made it. Okay. You know, uh, they did they did a good job with us, and they did a good job um, taking care of us. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, I I'm, I'm want to um, switch gears a little bit and um, go to a break. But when we come back, go to a commercial break. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about um, that other topic we talked about earlier this week, the workplace. Okay? Are you that, sure? Okay. <laughs> okay, so thank you, Mommy, for, for that. When we come back, guys, we're going to have another little little talk with my mom about um, the workplace and how many years she worked and, and stuff like that. But thank you guys so much for listening, and I, I appreciate it. So we're going to cut to a break right now. We'll be back shortly. Hi, Dr. Terry here. The workplace has become ever increasingly difficult. High rates of unemployment, poor interaction between employee and employer, workplace violence, and the list goes on. Today, many are seeking practical solutions to address workplace issues. Healing in the Workplace, a spiritual guide to coping with work issues, provides a long-awaited answer and principle to solving work conflict and problems, helping us to see why God wants us to work and how we are supposed to treat one another at work. Join me in a global move to eradicate workplace issues in discovering employee rights and discover how others have been victorious through workplace challenges. Order your book today at www.westbowpress.com. Once again, order your book today at www.westbowpress.com. Hope to see you there. Thank you. Well, wow. Thank you guys for returning. And um, this is with you're live with Dr. Terry and her mommy, Flossie. Mommy, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. So um, during the break, I was thinking about something. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was thinking about how um, you moved away from, from um, through your education and you came out to California and you had an opportunity to go to work and you worked for the state of California for uh, 32 years and you're, you're retired now, but you, you had a long journey, a long, um, 
employment with the state of California. And I remember when we were growing up, all the times that you were always working, that's all I know, is that you were working. If you wasn't working, you was, you, well, I shouldn't say if you wasn't working, because you were always working, but you were also going to school, too, at the same time. And so that, I, I guess that's why all of us are always in school. <laughs> we're always doing something pertaining to education and, and working. And so I, I, the workplace, as you knew it, when you started working, how did that look? How, what was that like then? At that time, uh, it's different from what it is now. Mm-hmm. At that time, you was proud to have a job. And you could go to work and take care of your family. And it was uh, different than than now because now the people that work, some of of the people, they don't want you to tell them anything. They think they know it all. They want to come to work and come when they want to. Uh, If it's you're supposed to be there at 7 or 8 o'clock. You come strutting in at 11 or 12, and you don't want anyone to uh, ask you anything of uh, why are you are late. Are you going to make up your time? Or are you going to use it? But, you know, they, uh, they are different now, you know. So, you know, and it's more violent in the workplace now than it was then because people was – they was glad to go to work so they could provide for their families. Mm-hmm. So would you say, Mommy, that um, um, many, in many during your era of working, it was, it was an honor to, to work, especially being, especially with the plight of, of, of our, of our particular ethnicity that it was, and we were happy to, you guys were happy to be able to take care of your family and 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 not just take care of them, but make great earnings, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. We mm-hmm. uh, at that time people was oh they was really they really was happy to have a government job. Yes. Uh, with the state, city, or the county, you know, mm-hmm. they really uh, they really. Uh, how can I put it? They really enjoyed going to work because they had benefits. They had uh, they could have benefits for the children, and they looked forward to putting money into retirement that they could have something when they did retire. Mm-hmm. So it made a big difference, and then you know, because a lot of people didn't have any. Um, any insurance, any, anything to fall back on. When they got their little paycheck, then that was it, you know. Um, during the time you started working, when did you start um, with the state, Mommy? Uh, 1969. Okay, and you worked 32 years. But during the time you started working, did you guys have a... Um, Oh, dress code? Sure, it was a dress code. You couldn't, you couldn't wear pants at all. And then they changed it where you could wear 
pantsuit. If you, it had to be uh, matching. If it didn't match, you didn't wear it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a long time before they, you know, that we could wear pants because it was enforced that you could not wear pants if it was cold or hot. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you had to you had to provide by the rules. You know, you could not mm-hmm. just wear anything you wanted to wear. Mm-hmm. And so they decided uh, that they that we could wear pants like on the week on Fridays or whatever. But it had to be a pantsuit. It could not be a pair of jeans and a sweater. Uh, it could not be uh, uh, what you call those pants, uh, culottes mm-hmm. or anything like that. So they they uh, they enforced that. You could not do that. Mm-hmm. So. so the workplace then was a quite different um environment than it is today because today we can wear just about anything that even though it it, many people may say that oh well we can wear what we want today but a lot of things are still inappropriate to work to wear in the workplace and but um because there is no dress code the dress code has been lifted right to me yes but at that time it was a place of business Mm mm-hmm and you had to come to work accordingly to that uh to the to that rules. Yeah. So now you can wear you now you can wear anything you want to wear. You can wear shorts to uh work, uh mini dress, I guess uh micro mini, I guess you can call it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, micro mini. <laughs> yeah, so that's what so, so so that's what they can do now, but we couldn't do that. <laughs> not at all because oh, you would be asked mini. to go what back what do you know yeah. about a micro mini <laughs> well hey I'm not that old yet <laughs> I know what it is but uh, you know like if we that. did go to work with that oh, then you had gosh. to go back home you you couldn't you couldn't stay at work uh-uh. <laughs> yeah uh-huh. I know you would be sent home huh yes you would Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen a couple of micro minis in my day. Yeah, <laughs> I, so I have to. Mm-hmm. That's, That's funny. So, Mommy, mm-hmm. um, the reason I asked you about the dress code is because, um, as you know, in um, the book and that um, I wrote and your granddaughter wrote together, Healing in the Workplace, Um, a spiritual guide to coping with work issues it talks about one of the topics is the dress code and how we are expected to to conduct to to wear um dress accordingly and appropriately in the workplace would you say that that um there is a lot of um Changes needed in the workplace because of just just the dress code. Sure, it should be because uh, people wear whatever they think that they want to wear. It's like if some people wear stuff that they should be wearing to a club, some people wear stuff that they should be exercising in, and you know they just wear whatever they feel like that they want to put on that morning. 
mm-hmm. and it's not appropriate for work. And it caused a lot of dissension in, in the workplace. Yes, yes. Well, so, do you believe, Mommy, that um, we should go back to some type of dress code structure? Or do you believe that? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. It was it was cut down on a lot of confusion, and everybody would know what they are supposed to wear. Yes, what they could and what they couldn't wear, what they mm-hmm. can and what they can't wear. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that it would it would help the the workplace, and it would help. Uh, it would cut down on a lot of uh, I, I don't know a lot of. Uh, distraction okay yeah well you 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 um you know we have a lot more to say about that but we're running out of time and I want to know will you come back and let's talk a little bit more about your work and your work environment and your experience according to the um the book I sure I will but you, yes. <laughs> you say yes. Act like you want I'll to. I say yes. Yes, I will. I, I most certainly will. Okay. So listen, Mommy, um, we are running out of time, and um, I want to end with a prayer, okay, while you're on the phone, all right? Okay. Okay. So listen, guys, thank you so much. This is my mommy. Thank you for sharing my mom with me and allowing me to share her with you. And um, we want to give God the glory and the honor for this wonderful day today in the interview. And I will see you in a cup in about a week or so. All right. And make sure you stay tuned. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Bye. Bye bye.